peoples of the worldwide federated internet. What's good? Again, we are back, coming back or returning back to the book of Acts chapter one. I believe last time we left off in verse 20. So we're going to pick right back up and get right back to it. And without further ado, let's get into this. So verse 21, well, I'll read verse 20 and then move down to verse 21 since they're you, you'll kind of lose context, especially if you're listening, not knowing what was said before. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein and his bishopric let another take. Of course, this is referring to and talking about Judas. And it's interesting how much about the Old Testament that the apostles knew. Apparently, they knew a lot more than the religious leaders of the time, or maybe the religious leaders of the time were willingly ignorant, but apparently they knew, the apostles knew, that this verse was referring to Judas. Verse 21, Wherefore of these men, which have companied with us all, uh, with Af- Let me read that again. Wherefore, these men which had companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So I, I mentioned something, I believe, in my last video, uh, it is, that, that it is my feeling it's not a bible doctrine that paul took the place of judas now one of my friends in the comments a good friend of mine who i hope to actually uh, get on the podcast talk about some biblical things corrected me and and he was he was right um and we see this here so there was some stipulation about who could take the place of judas and there was guidelines to this now i don't know if these guidelines they got directly from the Lord in those 40 days after the resurrection that he appeared before them, but it had to be someone who was with them during the earthly ministry. And they had to be there from the baptism of John until the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it couldn't just be anyone that replaced Judas technically in his position, right? So we're going to see how this plays out. And they appointed to Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. So out of these, they're going to choose, you know, okay, which one do we choose? Now, what I'd like you to notice is how they go before God with, with these big decisions, right? They don't want to just arbitrarily, okay, we decide that this dude right here will take take this place. 
they're like, okay, there's two choices we have of, of the guidelines that have been set. And of these two choices, how do we make this decision? And this is what they do says, and they prayed and said, thou Lord, which knoweth the hearts of all men show whether of these two thou hast chosen. So they're not really in the business of saying, this is what we decide. They want God to show them who is supposed to take the position of Judas. This is interesting. And this takes me back to something the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. It's not about what we think, what we want, how we think things should play out. It's, there's a lot of things in my life that if it was up to me, well, they would have played out a certain way, a way that I thought they were supposed to play out. God did something different than what I had made up in my own mind. So in verse 25, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place and they gave forth their lots and the lot fell upon Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So Matthias is who was chosen. He is the man who replaces Judas in that position. So moving on to the book of Acts chapter two. And when the day of Pentecost was full, uh, was full come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Now I'm going to read you the definition of Pentecost so you know what this day, what this day is. I, I like reading what the dictionary says because, you know, even though I have understanding of these things, paraphrasing and, and giving you my explanation of what it is, I just don't think will suffice. I want to be more exact. So if you look in, well, I'm using a Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary the Pentecost is a solemn festival of Jews, so-called because uh, so-called because uh, celebrated on the fiftieth day after the sixteenth of Nisan, which was the second day of the Passover. It was called the Feast of Weeks because it was celebrated seven weeks after the Passover. And it was instituted to oblige the people to repair to the temple of the Lord there to acknowledge, uh, uh, to repair to the temple of the Lord there to acknowledge his absolute dominion over the country and offer him the first fruits of their harvest. Also that they might call to mind and give thanks to God for the law which he had given, uh, which he had given them at Sinai on the 15th day from the departure from Egypt. So this is this day 
they speak of here, just so you know. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. Now that word cloven, again, not a word you really hear these days, means divided, parted, pronounced. So there was something going on and tongues, just so you know, again, I'm doing a whole lot of looking up of of different words today because I want to be as exact as I possibly can. Um, so let me see. Let me go to the word tongue. I might actually have to break out my physical Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary because every now and again I'll look up a word on this app it's a 1828 dictionary app that I use and every now and again for whatever reason there's a word that just won't populate so what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to go to the modern dictionary and look up this word tongues because this, in my humble opinion, is a doctrine that has been really in so many ways slaughtered in this day and age because of, you know, what people think about tongues, what they make tongues out to be. Uh, let me see. Uh, spoken. OK, so I, I knew this was in here. And in this context, this is what this would mean. Tongues is a spoken language, a manner or quality of utterance with respect to tone or sound. And I know sometimes, especially in this day and age, when you get to the doctrine of tongues, there's people who are of the belief that tongues is just some unknown gibberish that has never been spoken and no one could understand I'm going to go to the book of first uh, Corinthians and kind of go through this using what we see here in the book of Acts really as as an, an explanation and an exposition of what tongues actually is versus what people think tongues are. Now, how do I know that definition is what applies to tongues here in this context? Well, we're going to see as we read on. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. Now, there are some that that might think these were just, you know, some random gibberish things spoken that had never been heard before. They were languages that were known. They might not have been known to this people speaking them, but you're going to find out. These are languages that were actually known and there were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded 
because that every man heard them speak in his own language. So again, reading the whole context and this, this could actually teach you a valuable lesson. It would be easy to read this, see tongues, go off on a tangent with a, a, a lot of the things that you hear today about tongues. But when you, when we go to that definition that I just read out of the dictionary and we see what's going on right here and we see if all of these people that were here, what happened? They heard these men speak in their own language. So was this a matter of some random babble that had never been seen and or heard before? No, that is not what this was. These were actual languages that the people speaking did not know. And yet these people heard them speak in their own languages. And here's why it was amazing. There's going to be a rundown of all of the people that were here at this time. All of these people, of course, here for Pentecost. Uh, verse seven. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying. One to another, behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? So they're like, wait a minute. Everybody up here talking. They're from Galilee. Verse eight, and how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. Now, remember, it said they were given cloven tongues. So this this was a really special event, because what I believe happened is all of these men heard all of the different men there at the time speaking and all of them heard in their own language what was being said. This, by all metrics, this would astonish any passerby. And they would have had to say, okay, what's, what's happening right now? What, what is really going on? How, how is it that we all hear in our own language what these dudes are saying? Now, here's a list of the people who are there at the time. Parthians and Medes and Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia, and in Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in the paths of Libya, about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, who do hear them speak in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. Here's another thing. I just like to insert these things because there are common tropes, things that are said that are not true, but widely held to by many people. I remember hearing growing up how Christianity was the white man's religion and Africans didn't know nothing about Christianity. We had our own gods. Somebody here was from Libya. That's in Africa if you didn't know. So that would mean 2,000 years ago, not only were there converts to Judaism, which means these people knew of the Bible, so this wasn't brought to them by colonizers, contrary to popular belief, and now they're hearing the gospel so I'm telling you the gospel spread. You remember, well, we'll get to it. 
There's an Ethiopian eunuch who was part of the camp of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, who was reading a scroll of Isaiah. And Philip comes along and explains to him what he's reading. So these people in Africa had the gospel well before any colonization. That, 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 is a, that is a false premise. If you hear someone say that, that all, oh, you know, the, the slaves, they had, you know, their own African religions. And this was something that was taught to them by the white. Now, look, I'm not saying that every single slave that came here knew of the God of the Bible and had heard the gospel. But the idea that Africans were first presented the gospel by their slave owners or by colonizers is just simply not true at all. The gospel spread far and wide. And this is the beauty of the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, you see just how far the gospel spread. It was to the far reaches of the planet. It didn't just stop in Judea. You follow through the book of Acts and you'll see that verse 12. And they were all amazed. Uh, uh, they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these are full of new wine. You're always going to have your naysayers. But Peter, verse 14, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea, all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Peter, of course, is going to go into explaining to them what all these things mean, what's going down, what's happening. He's like, no, we're not drunken with wine. It's but the third hour. Uh, we're OK. It's all good. But let me break down to you what you see happening right now. This was something that was foretold in the Old Testament. And in case you missed it, I'm going to break it down and explain to you exactly what's happening Look, at this time, they were going to run into some major problems. It was bound to happen for several reasons. One, the religious crowd at this time, they have no idea that the apostles now endowed with the Holy Spirit of God, 
have a um have a power that they weren't ready for they by they i'm talking about the religious crowd see they thought when they crucified the lord jesus christ all that knowledge he had all of them truth bombs he was hitting them with they thought when he was crucified okay that's over because there was nobody talking like this before him and his followers are definitely not going to have this knowledge well the jokes on them because the Holy Spirit of God is on the scene and the Holy Spirit of God is working in these believers, in these followers, showing them things they would have never known otherwise, revealing unto them biblical truth. And they're about to be breaking down people with truth they weren't ready for. Uh, one of the one of the, the the shining moments in the book of Acts is Stephen when he he really breaks down in detail different things going on in the scripture and how it applies you see the more the chief priests and the different sects tried to shut this thing down the more it caught on the more people got saved the more truth was revealed the more farther and faster it spread definitely a work of god and you 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 definitely see the 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 how can i put it the the subtle yet very intentional hand of god in the way things worked out in the book of acts and i believe that same thing happens today i believe there are things that seem to be so subtle but as, as you watch and as you look they are very intentional y'all know what it is stay frosty people